I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Before we get started today, I want to address something that was brought to my attention last week by one of our listeners. So many of our stories are so similar and the experience is so common, but I do fully recognize that some of these stories can play out a little differently. And I apologize if any of this is ever a trigger for you. You know, last week I mentioned that my partner was sulking in the corner at a birthday party that was for someone else, jealous of all the attention that the birthday person was receiving. But for one of our members, her partner soaked up all the attention at a birthday party that was for someone else. And so it just, it played out differently. And, and I totally recognize that, you know, there were definitely were plenty of times that my ex received unwarranted external praise usually for things he didn't do or like even didn't even have anything to do with. He soaked it all up though, and it fed his need for attention, pumping him all up. But whenever that praise went to someone else, even when it was warranted praise, he seethed with jealousy and took that out on me behind closed doors. So I definitely want to acknowledge here that the stories do play out differently. I'm just trying to get to the core, the concepts of what all we are facing. I do appreciate the feedback from each and every one of you. Now let's dive into today's topic. Today we're talking about comparing the life of a covert narcissist to the life of their codependent victim. In the last two episodes, I've talked about the codependent traits that so many victims have, uh, that so many of us have in common, and the external victim role that that covert narcissist play. And, and these, these two things get trapped together so incredibly often. On the one side, you have a person who will lay out all the ways that they have been hurt in life. The abuse they suffered as a child, the mistreatment from parents, siblings, and friends, the abuse that they've suffered from previous relationships, leaving them quote unquote broken and insecure. The ways that everything you say hurts them, reminds them of their past abuse, resurfaces their hurt self, on and on and on, the eternal victim. On the other side, you have a person who desires to care for others. You desire to build other people up, to help others become the best they can be, to fix them or save them, willing to do the extra work, willing to give the benefit of the doubt, willing to carry extra blame so the other person doesn't have to, willing to carry your own load and half of theirs too, willing to look at your own smallest faults and blame these, you know, blame these, these small faults in you over the massive faults that the other person displays, willing to hold yourself accountable for everything while letting them off the hook for anything. Now, this is not a good combination. I mean, it's great for the narcissistic person, the covert narcissist, they love it. This is perfect for them as long as their partner is willing to continue that dance. You know, they get their way on everything. Why? 
because it just isn't worth the price you pay when you simply disagree with them or tell them no. Simple things that should not be a problem become catastrophes. They get pumped up anytime they feel down because you so badly desire to help them and because you have learned over time that when they are in that bad mood, your life is miserable. And when they're in a better place, at least, you know, when they feel pumped up, even though it's brief, your world is more peaceful. They get all of your attention because you are constantly monitoring their mood. They can do whatever they please because you will make excuses and justifications for them. So many of us do. They sit back and do nothing while you fix and take care of everything. They put no effort in, but yet they expect that you will put all the effort in. This is a great deal for them. From their eyes, you will meet their needs. You will support their feelings and moods. You will tell them how wonderful they are to make them feel better about themselves. You'll overlook their faults and their bad behaviors. You'll forgive them. You'll take them back in. This is from their perspective. But it's a horrible, horrible deal for the partner, for you. You spend enormous amounts of your life and energy tending to their moods and irrational feelings. You are constantly on guard for any sign that they are down, upset, unhappy. In other words, needing your emotional care and attention. You're looking for those signs. You can do, you can never do whatever you want because they are hurt and upset if you do. And they're hurt and upset if you do anything that has, that does not revolve around them. So you can't. You keep your own thoughts and your feelings to yourself because you're just not safe to express them. Well, compare that. You know, from your eyes, you are trying to be perfect. You're working overtime to find the right way to say something and do something or be something. You blame yourself for not being good enough. You apologize to them just to keep the peace. You sacrifice your own needs and your desires. Look at these two lifestyles for a minute. They're getting every single need met. You know, I know it's not possible to meet all their needs, but you're doing your best at it. And they're just, you know, getting to sit back, put their feet up, do whatever they want, talk however they want, treat you however they want. And from your perspective, you are working overtime to keep them happy. Look at that covert narcissist in your life for a minute. Do they ever take responsibility for themselves? Do they ever self-reflect? Do they ever actually care for your feelings, even just a moment? Do they ever keep their own thoughts to themselves because they actually don't want to upset you? Are they ever willing to just kind of bite their tongue on something? Do they get all of your emotional attention all the time? And do they get upset when they don't? Do they just say and do whatever they want all the time and expect you to just be okay with this? And in fact, get unhappy with you if you voice any you know disagreement or discontent with them? Yet, you know, they they fuss and complain at you anytime you choose, or do they fuss and complain at you anytime you choose to do what you want? How in the world have we decided that this is okay? You know, I've worked with children most of my life, a lot of my adult life. And if I'm with a toddler, you take someone who's two or three years old, I expect this type of behavior from a toddler. They don't care about my feelings. In fact, they don't even realize that I have feelings. They say whatever comes to their mind. They have no filter. 
no ability to decide if their words are going to hurt someone or not, no ability to recognize if their words have hurt someone or not. They get all the attention of their caregiver because if they don't, they might get hurt or get into something they shouldn't or get upset. And, and so you have to watch them all the time. They do just about anything they want and they throw a fit when you try to stop them from something. Now we do stop them. We do correct them. Of course, we're not going to let them walk out in the middle of the street, but they might throw a complete temper tantrum at us because we won't let them walk out in the street. And in fact, they also don't want you to be doing anything else than giving them your complete and undivided attention. If you are working on something else and you have a toddler that's in your care, have you ever had them crawl right up into the middle of what you are doing, right in front of you, right in the way, all of a sudden face to face with you just to get your attention back on them? This is how it is with a toddler. And in fact, these behaviors are expected of a child, not a full grown adult. Hear me here. Listen again. These behaviors are expected of a child, not a full grown adult. Have you ever cared for a two-year-old? Or do you know someone who has? That child absorbs your world. Everything you do revolves around caring for that child. When you eat, when you sleep, where you can go, what you can do, all of it. It is all-consuming and it is exhausting. It's an exhausting phase of life. But it is short-lived. It's a sacrifice you choose to make when you decide to become a parent. Again, it's just a phase of life. For you, the caregiver, you can expect to have to live this way, you know, for a year or two. It's a short period of time. And then the child will start to develop and grow. They will begin to actually learn boundaries. They will begin to become aware of the feelings of other people and so on. But when you are doing this with a full grown adult for years, decades, this is completely and utterly insane. And it is also completely and utterly exhausting and so incredibly painful. You did not marry a toddler. You are not in a relationship with a toddler. This is a full grown adult, but yet your everything revolves around this full grown toddler in your life. This grown child absorbs your world and everything you do revolves around caring for them. When you eat, when you sleep, where you can go, what you can do. It is all consuming. It is exhausting and it is not okay. They live, eat, sleep, exist as though nothing is wrong, but you can't. I often get asked, why is this pain so bad? Why does it hurt so much? And why does it take so long to recover? And I want to address some of that here. You know, I want to ask you for a minute, who did you marry? And if it's not a spouse, then, then, um, you know, who is this that you're in a relationship with? Like, who did you choose to be in a relationship with? Or if it's your narcissist, if it's your parent, that's a covert narcissist, then change the question. Who is it that raised you in your perspective, in your eyes, who raised you? Who is this person? So I'm going to start back with who did you marry? How would you describe the person you married at the time you married them? Your image of them, your, your perspective of them, a genuine person. Did you marry someone that you believed was a genuine person with thoughts and feelings? A person who cares about you and your thoughts and your feelings? How about a person who will grow and develop in life and mature as they age? 
a person who will compromise and give in the relationship, a person who will work with you through troubles and problems, working to find a good solution for both of you, a person who respects you and has your back, a person who is looking out for you in your best interest as well as their own, a person who is open to the care and compassion that you offer, a person who genuinely loves you. In other words, a partner, a teammate. Isn't this who you thought you married? It's who I thought I married. But in a relationship involving a covert narcissist, this becomes not reality. The person with codependent tendencies, though, holds on to all these beliefs so passionately. You are so convinced that this is who you married. You believe in them. You fight for them. You defend them. This is the genuine you. That's who you brought to the table. It's not a game. It's not manipulation. It's not fake. There was nothing fake about any of my feelings for my husband. This was the real me. This is the real you. And you believed that that was the real them. When we discover that they are not the person we thought they were, that pain is intense. It's a death. What you are experiencing is a death. The person that you thought they were is gone, vanishes into nothing. In fact, they never even existed in the first place. And that pain goes so deep. Everything you have ever believed about them, everything they have ever said to you, every feeling of love and connection that you felt for them, all the energy you poured into them, all of this feels like a complete waste now, a waste of your time, your energy, your life. You feel like you have been living an illusion. And in a way, definitely you have. You know, my mom once said to me, I think, I think this is worse than somebody who loses their spouse to death, like to a medical death. I've got a good friend who, who did lose her husband, you know, to death, but it was a healthy marriage. And, and she went through pain, yes, but she had closure. She, she understood her husband died, you know, for medical reasons. But in the situation that we're living, this is a death where there is no closure. Nobody understands the, the pain of that death unless they've lived it themselves. So you don't, you don't get support for your grieving in the way that, in the way that you need. And my mom said to me, it's, it's like, this is worse than a death. You believed in them so deeply that you wonder now, how could I ever believe in anyone ever again? You committed so much of your life to them, and now you know you're never going to get that back. If someone loses a loved one to death, everyone does understand their need to grieve. Then why are, so, are people so quick to tell us to get over it and move on when we divorce an abusive partner? Please understand, you need to take the time to grieve. This is a death. Give yourself permission to grieve. Others may not understand, but guess what? You have nothing to explain to them. You do not owe anyone an explanation. I encourage you. I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to make a list of the things like I just did in this podcast of who you believed that person to be. 
That's the list I was reading just a little bit ago. I'll read a little bit of it here again. A genuine person with caring thoughts and feelings. A person who cares about me, my thoughts and my feelings. A person who will grow and develop in life, maturing as, as we age. A person who will compromise and give in the relationship. A person who will work with me through troubles and problems, working to find a good solution for both of us. A person who respects me and has my back. A person who's looking out for me in my best interest as well as their own. A person who is open to the care and compassion that I offer. And a person who genuinely loves me. A partner, a teammate. Make a list of who you believed that person was. And then I want you to go through and I want you to cross off the ones that do not fit the reality of the person who actually is in your life. And let yourself grieve. Don't hold it in. That's dangerous. That's horrible. We've done that for way too long. Don't cover it up. If you need to cry messy tears, do. If you need to scream, do. Find yourself a way to burn some of that energy. If you need to punch something, do. Just learn how to do it safely, please. You have every right to be upset. Let yourself be upset and let yourself grieve. In upcoming episodes, we're going to be discussing how to turn your codependent traits into the good values that you want in life. This is a good one. And the other one that I know is coming up is why so many therapists don't understand this type of abuse and the harm that they actually are often doing. If you are benefiting from the work we are doing, and if you are able, please support this cause. How? There's a couple of simple ways. One is to hit the like button, the favorite button, subscribe to our channel. All of these boost our visibility so we can reach more people. Share this podcast with others who need to hear it. For those of you who are able, I am asking if you would consider making a small donation to our cause. There are costs involved with all of this that we do and the programs that we use, as well as our time committed to it. All donations go to cover these costs directly and to grow our capabilities to reach more victims of covert narcissism. These donations are greatly appreciated. And those of you who already have, thank you so much. You can donate directly through Anchor, and the link is in the show notes. Or you can email me personally, Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at covertnarcissism.com, and we can set up any way that would make it easier for you. Thank you to everyone who supports us and helps to further our mission. The more of our world that we can reach, the more we can stop the spread of narcissism. I wish you so much peace in your healing, your journey of healing.